2: And welcome
3: to episode 89 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsors. AppRiver, email
2: and web security experts. You can find out more about AppRiver at appriver.com.
3: PC Law from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Get your free 30-day trial at PCLaw.com slash radio. And
2: Clio, online practice management for attorneys at GoClio.com. In our last podcast, we talked about the web service ift that's I-F-T-T-T, as an example of a way to get the web to do your work for you. In this episode, we take a little summer vacation from serious tech topics and look at a lighter, fun topic. What's on
3: our agenda for this episode, Tom? In this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we're talking about television and how technology makes it even easier for us to watch our favorite show no matter where we happen to be. In our second segment, we're continuing our experiment with a new segment called Puzzled, and as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start using the second this podcast is over. But let's get started with our first topic, and that's technology-enhanced television. One of the best things, I think, Dennis, about the Olympics this year was NBC's Live app. I don't know if you used it. I used it constantly. It allowed you to watch any Olympic event live. It was great being able to just fire up the app. Uh, granted, it was six hours earlier, so sometimes that was six in the morning. Uh, seeing a schedule of what sports were currently competing and and watching something that I never would have seen on regular television. I, I gained a new appreciation for Arch, for taekwondo maybe not for taekwondo but you, you name it they had it on there I, to be honest though i think it was difficult doing it during the work days which makes me wonder how much lost productivity this app caused uh, for american employers during the olympics so i guess that raises my question for this episode dennis do you think that lawyers really have time to watch tv
2: well you know when you talk to lawyers you would think that they they never do from the way they talk uh, at least initially and they're telling you, like Tom, you know, there. I, I can't even count the number of lawyers who said to me, "I don't see how you have time for social media, for blogging, for for anything else." Uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta concentrate on billable hours. I would focus on my work. 20 hours a day. And then you start talking to them and they are experts on every single <laughs> TV show that you can imagine. And it's so, true. you know, so I sometimes think that people, uh, you know, kind of like to understate how much TV they really watch. And, and I always told people that I don't really feel that I, you know, do the my hobby activities, if you want to count them as that, as they would cut into billable hours when I was w- at a firm because I just took it out of the time I was otherwise spend on tv watching and so uh you know i never saw it as a big deal so i i think that uh that lawyers actually do watch tv despite some of the things they say because if you talk to them it's, it's definitely okay so i think we can stipulate tom that, that we all watch tv and it's you know with the rumors of, an, of a big deal game-changing apple tv out there these days I thought it was a good idea to look at television and and the notion of uh, the second screen and the way that we use tablets and and uh, and smartphones while we watch TV.
3: No, I agree. I, I think this is a fun topic, a good uh, August summer topic for us to discuss. Uh, before we get to the idea of uh, of of the the second screen, let's talk about. You know, technology as the first screen of television, and I'm gonna we're going to talk. I think mostly about tablets, mostly the iPad. Although I think that that all of the things we talk about today are available on Android devices. Certainly available um, for the phone. So I think that uh, wherever you can get a signal, uh, wherever you can get access to the internet, you probably have access to television somewhere. And I think that that the first way that technology has enhanced our use of uh, or, or ability to participate and enjoy television in just being able to watch TV. Uh, we can watch TV when you're not in front of a, a real television anytime. I, I know that I have on my iPad, I have uh, the Hulu Plus app, which allows me to watch selected series, television series or, or independent movies anytime I want to. It does have a, a an $8 a month subscription, but being able to access those shows, shows at any time, I think is really good. Uh, most all the major networks have their own app, so you can watch their shows online free of charge anytime you want to. I think that if you're an HBO subscriber, the HBO Go app is amazing at giving access to every TV show that's ever existed in the in the history of HBO. I think it's fantastic. With CNN, you get free live news, uh, v- the video feed from either CNN or CNN International or, or headline news. Um, I, I know That with both DirecTV and Comcast, they're offering the ability to watch live cable, live TV through your tablet or your phone device. And then let's we know we 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 heard talk about the SlingBox. The SlingBox is the device that allows you to watch TV. Uh, your own TV while you happen to be on the road. So if there's a a baseball game that may be blacked out where you are, you can watch it from from a hotel room by dialing into your own television. So there are, I think, a number of great ways to consume television just by watching the show itself. On the iPad, but I think we want to spend more time today talking about how technology may enhance our use of uh, of watching television. Dennis, want to get started with that?
2: Yeah, and it's worth mentioning this whole cable cutter uh, movement too of people who take advantage of all the things you can you can stream from you know the things you mentioned Netflix, all that, and say I'm I'm right. not going to have cable, I'm not going to have satellite because I can get all these things. You might use a device like the 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 existing Apple TV. Um, so so there's that phenomenon as well. And and I think what kind of surprised people in a way about the iPad when it came out was how it really became uh, a TV watching companion. So because it's so easy to hold and and I, it seems like everybody these days that I run into is either watching TV with the with a laptop or with an iPad. And, and they do, a, a, you know, a number of things. You know, they can supplement what they say. They can find out information. You know, my wife has a tendency to say, see, you know, look up to see who that actor is or what happened in in an early, which episode was was somebody else in that kind of thing. And and I think there's a big communication and sharing as, aspect of it. Um, so I, I think the, the notion of enhancement, though, is, is, a, is a really good thing because the, the, the tablet, uh, I, I think sometimes uh, the, the TV uh, content people, lacking a better word for them, have this idea that, oh, here's another channel to to grab us and kind of have us do things. And that, they don't really recognize that as people, we're, we've already started to do things. So I started watching a A new show last night called Copper, and Mm -hmm. there's a thing that you can. uh, We have this thing, and we have this little app, and you can take your picture and turn yourself into a mugshot of somebody from the (laughs) 1860s. And I'm going, you know, I don't really see the point of that, uh, but I, but I would do things like you know go on Twitter as as you know and see what other people are saying, or to find out more information about characters or you know, to see what, uh, you know, other people are how, what their reactions are. And so it's sort of things that they see that as content and like another way to grab us and kind of, uh, you know, push us in some marketing direction they have in mind without recognizing what we as people have already started to do. And I, and I think a lot of that really started uh, to happen with the iPad um, and, and Twitter as well.
3: Well, I think that's right. I, to come back kind of briefly to your comment on, on cord cutters, I, I hear this all the time. I, I listen to a lot of tech podcasts. I hear people talking about cutting the cord. And frankly, to be honest, I, I can't see that it happening with me because there are just too many things on regular television that I would miss that I wouldn't be able to see, uh, primarily sports. Uh, it would it'd be very hard to, to get to sports networks uh, unless you happen to have a subscription to all of them major, uh, uh, sports networks that do have apps and, and allow you to watch television online. But I think that cord cutting could turn out to be a fairly expensive proposition if you really want to watch a lot of TV. So I imagine that most of the people who are doing the cord cutting have what I would consider to be modest TV, uh, requirements or, or or needs when I think of enhanced television, though I think of you mentioned the the app for copper uh, i I view those as kind of supplemental and like you said, having more of a marketing bent for me um an enhanced app is one that gives you more information uh, throughout the the episode that you're watching and and I think it it really depends on how you like to consume television. I find that I am unable to just sit there and watch. I need to be doing something. I need to be looking for news or doing something else. And having one of these enhanced apps, I think, is really interesting. I'll, I'll give my example. My most recent example. Uh, I, we watch a show called uh, Falling Skies on TNT, which is now over for the season, and they have their own app. And when the show is on regular time, you can watch along on the App with it, and it actually has a little timer, and it'll it'll say countdown till the next time you see something. And and it, at different points during the show, they will put up little questions like, "What do you think so and so is going to do about this?" And you get to vote in a poll, or or they they bring back somebody from the past, and they ask, "When was the last time that you saw them?" And they ask a quiz question, um, or they'll give you a little bit more information about that particular actor and their background and and something that they've done, and uh, it, I. Think think it's a really interesting way to keep up with the show, learn more about it, to benefit more from it than uh, than, than than just watching the TV show. Dennis, have you used any of these before?
2: Uh, in, not in the way that you're describing, but it, they strike me as this evolution from what I'll call the ESPN or the news uh, crawl at the bottom that we now sort of you're so used to that um, that you, you kind of expect that. To something like that in all shows, so you say. Right. So I like the idea that the after you say, of, like, oh, I like something that's giving me information about the show or what's going on elsewhere. So you're starting to to be used to grabbing extra information while you're watching uh, something else. So I, I think that's one thing. So there is that what I'll call the supplemental information, and you know, some of that goes to in, to me like Wikipedia is great for episode summaries while you're watching right. something. You know, of uh, those sorts of things, and and to catch up on a, a show, where you are say like Falling Skies, where you you join it in the second season, and you just want to see what happened in the first season, so you can right. do that while you're watching the show and kind of figure out what characters are what that that kind of thing. So there's this great supplemental thing. Um, I think the second thing that the you know, to use a tablet or a laptop while you're watching TV is is this just pure. Flat out multitasking. You know that yes. you're not always mm-hmm. engaged by the shows, especially you have got to sit through commercials. And the fact is that you can use this device um, to do, you know, to answer email, uh, you know, edit documents, read things, do do all sorts of stuff. Um, and so you so you can um, believe that you are, and, per, and perhaps you really are, uh, being fairly productive and getting things done while you're sitting watching TV, especially when nothing's going on, or there's commercials, you know. So the example to me would be live sports. You know, there's a lot of downtime and you can just knock a lot of, of work and other activities that you'd be doing on a computer done as you kind of sit through commercials and, and you know half times and those kinds of things. Although in fairness, um, that if you're watching live sports these days, the you know you do have the opportunity to use that second uh, second screen of a laptop or a tablet to to keep track of all the other games going on.
3: No, and I, and I do that too. I like having my sports apps open to be able to not only watch other games, but also to 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 use the uh, to use the sports app to get again more sub, more information. I, I'm watching the game, but I don't have a good idea of how many first downs we have, or uh, or who's leading in rushing yards, or or you know what what our defense statistics happen to be. And I think that's that's another absolutely beneficial use of of. Of following along with certain apps on your tablet. Uh, One other area that I think is very important and is gaining a lot of momentum is more of the social television. Apps and the apps that help you connect with other people who happen to be watching the same thing that you're watching, and and this is um, I think handled in in two different ways. I think it's handled in both asynchronous uh, and synchronous. So, but uh, you know, uh, not while the show is going on, but then also during at the same time that the show is going on. I am um, I, I recently started using a, an app called Into Now, and it, it's I think a really interesting app because you turn it on and you press a button and it will listen to your tv for just a few seconds and it will be able to identify not only what show you're watching but what episode you happen to be watching too and it pulls up a page for you that you can do a whole bunch of different things with you can uh check in you can view what people are saying on twitter about that particular show you can um have chat with other people who happen to be watching the show at the same time and talk to them i i I think it's intriguing. I haven't done this yet. I think it's intriguing to be able to talk to people. I'd rather talk to people that I know. Uh, and, and just like you're sitting there in a room with them, watching a movie, watching a football game, having a conversation about what you're, you're seeing on the screen. Um, I think that's, I think that's really interesting, although I don't get to do it very often. Another app that, that allows you to check in and, and share this type of information is get glue. Uh, it's also, it also provides a lot of the same features that into now, uh, offers, but even, even, even services like Twitter. If you watch TV shows, you'll notice at the bottom of the screen you'll notice uh, um, hashtags that are displayed for different shows. Um, there are some shows, and I'll, I, as I continue to talk, I, I reveal that my taste in television may not be quite as highbrow as Dennis's, but I I love Big Brother. Big Brother is a guilty pleasure during the summertime, and what's interesting about Big Brother is that during a show, whenever a new a new event happens, or something new develops. There will be a new hashtag that appears about that particular topic. So it's encouraging you to not just use a Big Brother hashtag, but to actually use a hashtag around that particular item that happens. So uh, if you go out and look, search for these, people are engaging. They're 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 talking to each other, and and I've found that in the Olympic app, it's in the Falling Skies app, it's in every app that I have found. Um, they're finding ways for people to connect and communicate with each other. Dennis, do you think that uh, that you and I would want to do that during maybe a Top Chef episode or something like that?
2: Yeah, I think we have done that, Tom. I think we've watched a number of shows together where we're watching the show and then instant instant messaging. Um, and, you know, the Twitter phenomenon to me is, is one of the most interesting things uh, that I've seen in connection with TV, because. If you're watching a show, and we just use Top Chef because we were talking about it, you can you can see what people are saying. You know, people are making comments on what's happening. Uh, people are saying who they think is going to win, who's going to lose. Maybe they have some insight. You know, of, of something they know about one uh, of the contestants. Those sorts of things. And so you can kind of follow the Twitter search results. And, and, and if you do that, you understand the whole hashtag concept where if you put that little pound sign out in front of a word like Top Chef, all one word. And then during the show, everybody who sort of, you know, intends that people read their tweets about Top Chef, you can see them all. And they, and you, and you, they keep popping up and you can you can see what's happening in real time. I also think that's a really cool thing in, in sports, especially if you're, you know, a serious fan of, 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 of certain teams, cause you can see all the comments that people are saying, you know, especially during the game. I love, uh, you can do like, if there's a challenge in a football game, you can basically do a hashtag challenge or just challenge and you can see what everybody else thinks. Um, you can, uh, uh, another thing that's really funny is that you can see uh, if you if you do Twitter search on the announcers' names, so somebody like Joe Buck, <laughs> it's amazing the stream of hatred that pours out and the comments that people make all during the game, almost. Almost more than the comments on the game, and then you can also use the Twitter trending topics. And, and again, this is this is great. And I'll use the the football season as an example: is that you can, uh, if some, if a topic or a name starts trending, you can tell that you know somebody's made a great play, or somebody's been injured, or you know there's an exciting game, and and so it really gives you a, a greater dimension of. To your experience of, of the game, as I said, because you might be sitting through commercials otherwise, uh, with the idea of seeing, oh, here's what everybody else is thinking at the same time, and so sometimes it you know, makes you feel good because you're like, oh, you know, I'm not the only one who thinks the refs are terrible in this game, or you know, something <laughs> like that. But but it's but that's a really interesting uh, way of doing things, and I think if you do that. Uh, in connection with TV shows and sports, you'll really get this sense of hashtags and that community aspect. Because a lot of times you can identify people who are really into the same things you are, and then that will point you to other things on the internet, or, you know, as you mentioned, Tom, or even apps that are available where you can connect with other people in that community. So, I mean, Obviously, Tom, we're really excited about this, and and maybe we're just a couple of TV nuts, but uh, what do you think? Enhanced TV watching, is that a good thing?
3: You know, I think that the television watching apps are a no-brainer I think that having apps that allow you to watch a spe- specific show if you might have missed it I think it's good to have those they're all free I don't think any, except for Hulu and Netflix I think you everything else all your major networks you can get those things for free assuming that you subscribe to them or uh, if they're if they're subscription services I think that that really the 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 enhanced apps that we've talked about into now get glue some of these other things I think it really depends on the type of television personality that you have. If you like the interaction, I think these apps may be exactly the distraction that you want. It's something that is useful to me. And so I like it, but I know a lot of people in my household included who like to just zone out when they watch TV and just sit there and watch. And and if if that's your way of watching TV, if it's a relaxation effort, then uh, then these apps probably aren't Aren't for you, and 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 I would recommend that that you not try them. But if if you're in need of a little stimulation uh, while you're watching the show, uh, I say go ahead and download a couple, see what they can do for you. Dennis, what do you think?
2: You know, I th- I think basically it's a good thing. I mean, it's, it shows it's, you sort of think it's like part of the evolution of our our, our species, and that's multitasking, split attention. And I think you know that's just how how we live these days. And it, it, and I see that it has some implications, you know, for as we send information out, because you have audiences who have split attention, who are doing several things at once. And there are implications, I think, for how people watch, how you keep an audience. And maybe these are going to start to carry over into the other things we do on the web. Um, and it's just something to think about. And and the, uh, although there are these rumors about this Apple TV, and, and of course, it gets blown up into something amazing before it even comes out, if there even is one, but you start to say, well... The, the, the television itself seems like the sleepiest area of technology, you know, like your TV set. So what happens when you start to say, oh, there's stuff going down the side of it that I control, not that networks control, and I can do all these things in, in one place? Um, in the meantime, we have this notion of the second screen, and the research is showing that people use it not to get information, but to communicate with others. So very interesting trends out there with this technology.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see where where everything heads in the next couple of years. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from our sponsors: AppRiver, PC Law by LexisNexis, and Clio.
0: Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, President of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process?
2: No, I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy, That's GOCLIO.com.
0: Protect your firm's email with App River. Send confidential emails with confidence using App River's CypherPost Pro email encryption service. With CypherPost Pro, you'll control who sees your messages, and a patented delivery slip will show you when they're received and opened. There's no hardware or software to manage. You can cancel any time, and you get a 30 day free trial. All backed by App River's phenomenal care. Visit appriver.com, that's River.com, or call 866-223-4645.
1: Tired of all the headaches of running your law firm? Want to spend your time doing what really matters? Then you need PC Law. PC Law from LexisNexis is the legal industry's best-selling matter, billing, and accounting software. It has never been easier to manage your law firm and serve your clients. Get back to doing what matters to you. For a free trial, go to pclaw.com slash radio. That's pclaw.com slash radio or call us at 800 685 2161 today. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too.
3: And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this
2: segment we call puzzled, we pick a tech topic that has puzzled us recently and see whether we can make more sense of it for ourselves and for you. Tom, what's puzzling us today?
3: Well, you know, uh, recently I, I mentioned in an earlier podcast about taking the LastPass challenge, and I use LastPass as my password manager. And the challenge essentially analyzes your passwords and tells you how strong they are, and in general, and it and it gives you a listing of the ones that you could and should improve. and And I admit it, my passwords in the in the past were not perfect, and I'm, so I'm going through and changing out the the easier passwords and and putting more complex, harder to harder to figure out passwords in there. And as I am doing that, I am becoming increasingly puzzled by the lack of consistency among technology companies or companies in general um, with IT departments who haven't really caught on to how to make passwords easy for people. The the, the the lack of consistency on how everyone treats passwords is just amazing to me. There might be one site that uh, doesn't give you any instructions at all on how to set a password. Some will be incredibly detailed. You may select between 8 and 50 characters, and one must be an uppercase, and two there must be two lo- lowercase, and one number and one symbol, and then you get everything in between. Um, e- e- there are some sites that haven't really caught on to the fact that... Uh, that 8 is probably not very secure that it needs to be more needs to be closer to 12 digits to be secure and so they're still allowing you to to do 8 to 10 digits there are some that won't allow you to do more than that which i think is is a real problem i also think it's a problem that the sites won't tell you if your password doesn't work i've had a number that i they've given no instructions when i put the password in it seemed to take it then when i went to go and uh, and and try it it gave me an error but it wouldn't tell me why and I had to call tech support to find out that my password was too long or that it included a symbol when it shouldn't have included a symbol. And so I guess that's where my puzzlement comes from today Dennis is. Don't you think that there's some sort of uh, best practice in the security community where they could offer a a reliable consistent standard on how to set passwords for websites? Am I asking for too much here?
2: Well, clearly you're asking for too much. I mean, the idea <laughs> of standards <laughs> standards is great. Uh, but, but I th- I think you're right. And there's there are times when I think you get really frustrated with, with passwords, almost to the point where I jokingly suggest maybe the best way to go with passwords is just type in a bunch of random keystrokes. And then if you ever go back to the site, uh, just rec- say you forgot your password and have it reset and just keep <laughs> doing the same thing until they, maybe they get in touch with you and say, no, here's a password you need to use. But you know, I, I think it is tricky because, uh, and and I think it drives you toward the you know key pass one uh, password the, the different password tools, because um, if you if you want to use an approach where you and which we don't recommend, which is you know the same password on every site, or you want to use something that's probably better, which is sort of a you know, a stem plus suffix or a stem plus prefix or, you know, something that where you're, there's some variation, but you can still remember it. I think it becomes really hard because you're right. Cause if you're using a, you know, like a good strong password and you have that as your base, then, and you go to a site and it doesn't take symbols or, you know, it requires something else, or there's a, you know, a character limit, then it does become really difficult. And you, you, you find yourself in a position where you either have to write down all your passwords or you can't remember them, and then you're back to asking somebody to reset it because you you forgot it. Um, and then also uh, sort of a uh, companion problem is some sites will let you use an email address, or they want your email address as a username, and some of them want another username. And so you might remember the password, but then you have the wrong username, and then they you know helpfully give you an error message that says, Your username or password might be wrong. And you go, okay, well, which one, which one is it? Uh, So I I think that, that it it is a puzzle and, and maybe we work to some standardization. I don't know that, I mean, I, you know, you have this notion that maybe it's biometrics or something, you know, somewhere down the line. But, but I, I think it's just the difficulty. And as people kind of grapple with the notion of strong passwords, it's just those, you know, the password creation, uh, or I guess sign-up password uh, tools um, haven't been set in ways that really allow for strong passwords. I mean, I like the places you go to where it's you as you're you know, creating your password, it's telling you how strong it is, whether it's right, a good one right. or a fair one. I think that's really helpful, but that probably takes a lot of work. And for newer companies, that's probably something they don't have the time or the people to implement from the beginning.
3: But I'll tell you, though, there are some of those companies that have that same feature where as you're typing it in, it tells you whether you have a strong password. I know at least two sites that I went to where I was typing it in and it kept telling me, yes, strong, very strong. But I had a symbol in it and it wouldn't accept symbols. It didn't tell me that. It just told me I had a very strong password. And so when I hit enter, it told me I was wrong and I couldn't do it. So even that very strong thing, uh, that, that, that feature is is not as helpful. You know, I think that... Tools like LastPass can help out with the shortcomings that companies you know, have in in, in dealing with passwords because it makes, it you know, LastPass I know and and 1Password make it very easy to generate a complex password and and just with a flick of a switch or a click of a button, you can eliminate symbols or you can make it uh, 15 characters or 100 characters, however you want to do it. And I think that that, that's really helpful. I will say that, and I'm going to call out one specific company here. I'm going to call out Starwood Hotels. I was trying to make a reservation with you guys and it would not take my password and I got on to uh, customer support and the uh, and, and customer support said well I see that you have a 14 digit password and i like well i entered a 16 digit and it told me i was okay well well it only took the first 14 and i would never have known that if i hadn't called customer support to find that out and and that to me is guys at starwood you guys got to get that fixed that, that is a just representative of what i'm seeing throughout uh, throughout the, the 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 industry and i f- i fear that my puzzlement is turning into a rant so i think i'm just going to stop right here
2: uh, it's probably a good idea tom uh, now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip website or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away.
3: This week, I'm going to offer two parting shots. Uh, they had some similarities in the articles that I read. The first is the 11 ways to make your LastPass account even more secure. So uh, in, in following with our last topic, if you are a LastPass user, there are 11 ways to make your LastPass account even more secure. It was a great article and some great suggestions for, uh, for enhancing the security of your passwords and the other things that you want to keep private. Um, the other one with a number in it was called Top 10 clever uses for dropbox so if you're a dropbox user take a look at this article uh, it gives a couple of different ways to use dropbox that you might not have thought of uh, and and ways that might make it more interesting and more productive for you to do other things so two good helpful articles with with 10 and 11 items in each
2: and and my parting shot it is probably just one more step in my uh movement into a total podcast world. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I just see podcasts as this amazing tool. And so uh, my tip is to use iTunes search for podcasts uh, to supplement uh, things you're doing. Uh, and I call it like a reading enhancement tool. So I was I was reading a book uh, recently and I realized that I could, in the iTunes podcast search, go find podcasts with the author. Uh, maybe talks they've done about the book where they kind of set out the main themes and explain things in a way. And it was a great supplement to the book, especially in this book was kind of difficult for me to, to understand. It was on a topic I wasn't familiar with and was great. And and so what I find is if I'm potentially interested in authors or topics, I just do a search in the iTunes uh in iTunes for that, look at the podcast, and then uh, use that as as my entry point. And it's amazing because you can find these introductory lectures, uh, public talks that people have done, uh, you know, reviewers, uh, you know, critics talking about this same book you're reading, whatever. And it's just really a great way, especially if you listen to podcasts on your commute.
3: Well, I have to say, Dennis, that that parting shot about enhanced reading provides a nice bookend to your to our earlier topic of enhanced television. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes blog at TKMReport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please contact us at TKMReport at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at TKMReport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media
2: network. Enhance your podcast listening experience by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes.
1: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. It's officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon.